0: Good morning. Happy Easter. Glad you're here. If you're online with us, we're glad you are here as well. What a great, great, great day. Man, Um, just if you're our guest, we're so glad you're here, and we would love to get to to meet you and to to know you better, Um, and if we could serve you and help you in any way, we would love to be able to do that. Um, Next week, we're going to begin a brand new series called, I Doubt That. And um, there's so much um, of our life that we struggle with doubt and questions. And um, so we're going to kind of talk about how do we deal with doubt um, when doubt hits us? How do we handle it? And we're going to kind of look at some people throughout Scripture who dealt with doubt and the fear and the anxiety that comes with that. So next week we're going to begin this series. And I would love for you to be here, um, especially if you're struggling and questioning your faith. Um, I promise you it's going to be a great series, hopefully you can grow as we follow Jesus together. There was a man who had two sons, and his younger son went to the father, and he said, Father, give me my share of the estate. So his father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the food the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, and I will go back to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him was filled with compassion. He ran to him, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And he said, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I have sinned against heaven and against you. But his father said, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Because the son of mine was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was out in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come home, the servant replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he said to his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you, and never once have I disobeyed one of your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But he said my son, You have always been with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he is found. The gospel story is not a story about good pe- or bad people becoming good. The Gospel story is about dead people being raised to life. That is the core of the Gospel. Dead people being raised to life. And the core of this story, the prodigal son, is a story of A dead man being raised to life. Someone who was lost being found and being redeemed. This son who runs away from home finds himself homesick and longing for home. Did you ever run away as a kid? My mom's here, so... She could tell you stories, but there were times where I would get so angry or so agitated that I would get my little backpack, and I would put wrestling figures in there, Hulk Hogan and all those guys, you know, G.I. Joes, and maybe a shirt, and I would throw it over my pack, my back, and I would walk out the door because I was done with home. And so at five years old, I'm setting off on my own. And I would usually make it to the end of our sidewalk and maybe turn the corner and make it down the sidewalk to our neighbor's house before I came to my senses and realized that this is a terrible idea. I have no way of making it on my own. And I would go home And I would be so thankful that I could come back home. But for this young son who runs away, his longing is to be able to come home. But his only hope in his mind of being able to do that is being able to work to show his love for the Father. In hopes that the Father might forgive him. But he runs away from home because he decides to choose death over life. We don't think of it that way. But in essence, that's what he's doing. He's deciding there is a better way out there than the way of the Father. And the Father has always provided for me. He has always taken care of me. But I have a better way, and so he sets out for home only to get to the destination and realize it's not what he thought it would be. He has this deep sense of longing for home, the way things are supposed to be. I remember the very first time I ever went home once I made it to school. I had been off at school for a couple of months, and Garland High School was having their homecoming game. And I remember I was so excited to get home. And so I drove all day, and I get home, and I think I skipped a class or two, maybe, probably, most likely. Skipped a class or two, and I rush, and I get home, and then we go to the game that night, and I walked into Williams Stadium. And this is a place my dad had coached there. I had grown up going to games there. And I was so excited to walk in those gates, and I walked in those gates, and there has never been a time in my life where I have felt so different about a place, because I had these expectations that I was going to walk in, and everyone would see me, and like, oh, there's Gary Albright in the backup, middle linebacker, because um, <laughs> you know, they remember those guys, Right? And I had this this picture in my mind of what it was going to be like. But yet when I got there, it wasn't at all the way I imagined it being. And even going home to my parents' house, it didn't feel the same. That's what's so funny. Home is such an elusive concept. Like, we, we think that's what we want, but what if there's something deep within us that's longing for something better? Because it's not to say home that we know and we've experienced is bad, but what if your life was created for something more? What, what if there was something better that you constantly weren't chasing after, thinking there's something out there? See, we live our lives as exiles. Exiles. And this son, this youngest son who left home, lived his life as an exile. But here's the thing the older son who stayed home found himself as an exile too, longing for the father's house. But scripture is full of the story of people who live life as exiles. The story begins with Adam and Eve finding themselves as exiles of the garden, in perfect harmony with God, the way things were supposed to be, and now they find themselves longing for home. Or the story of Joseph and his brothers, who find themselves as wanderers, fleeing to Egypt to survive a famine. Or Moses fleeing for his life into the desert because of what he has done, because of his past. David, who's been anointed as the future king, but lives his life as an exile on the run. And even Jesus, whose family is forced to flee to escape King Herod, who says to his disciples that he has no place to lay his head. who is taken outside of the city and crucified. See, the story of the prodigal son is not just this story of individual redemption. The story of the prodigal son is humanity's story. And it's a story of homecoming. But more than that, it's a story of longing for home. Longing for the way things are supposed to be because all of us are exiles of Egypt. See, the word exile simply means a departing. And biblically, it's typically this idea of being forced to depart. And an exile is someone who's always wondering, never arriving. See, we we look outside at our world and we see the brokenness around us and we assume, well, this is just what life is supposed to be like. Things are not right. But because we are those exiles of Eden, because things are broken, because of the brokenness around us, we find ourselves longing for something better. We find ourselves longing for home. And and not just home where our family resides. Not just the place where a roof is over our head. But home the way it was intended to be with our Father. Longing for that place. But it's not just the brokenness around us that causes that longing. It's also the brokenness within us. It's the brokenness we experience because we are sinful people. Because God has said, here's how my people live life. Here's how they look like me and represent me in this world. And every day we fall short of that. See, this younger son took what he was given and he took it outside into this world and he used it for himself. He used it to build himself up and to take care of himself and to take care of his needs. He wasted it. Because he could have taken that inheritance and gone into this world and used it as a blessing. But he didn't. He didn't. And you wonder, well, okay, where And how do you get home? If home is what we're longing for, if home is what we're looking for and longing for, how do we get there? But as we started this series, one of the things that we said, the thing that amazes me about this story is the humility of it. Because the road home is paved with humility. Not just humility on part of the Son to be able to say, I am going to go home and do everything I can to work myself back into the good graces of my Father. But the humility of the Father to say, You are welcome here. You are a child. You are a son. You belong. We see humility from the Father, humility that gives life to the Son. So how is it that we get home? How is it on this journey that we continue on this direction? First, pursue Christ-likeness, not our goodness. See, somewhere along the way, we decided it's up to us to make it on our own. And we have this scale of good and bad and this little register in between that we think as long as we can push closer and closer to the good, then we're going to be okay. And as long as our good is better than their, their good, then we're safe. But right, the gospel story is not about bad people becoming good, the gospel story is about dead people being raised to life. What the son does, without even knowing it, is he pursues the father. He pursues a person and not a place. He knows that his longing is to be with the Father. And he sets on this journey back home to the Father. Because it wasn't about being back in the Father's house that he longed for. It was about being back with the Father. But but here's what amazes me about this story is His homecoming was 100% reliant upon the Father. Because the question was, if He went home, was it even possible, was it even conceivable that the Son could be welcomed in? And not just welcomed in as a servant who's going to work and work to prove His goodness, but would he be welcomed in as a son? Would he be welcomed home? And he, the only reason, right? This is how, how the story ends. He was dead and he's alive again. He was lost. and he, The only reason he is alive again is because of the Father's goodness and grace. This deep longing for home where we want things to be better, we want things to be different, and we're constantly let down because they're not, because of the pain, because of the brokenness that we see, this longing for home. Because it will bring you to points in your life where you start to wonder and question, Points where you start to wonder and question, is this even worth it? Points where you start to wonder, how do I make it after what I have just gone through? How, with all the pain that I've experienced in this world, how do I continue? And what it does is it makes those yearnings, those longings for home even greater. But see, the point of faith... The point of faith is not that it makes your life easy. The point of faith is that it gives you the strength to endure the hard times. Because you will face hard times. You will experience pain. You will experience hardship. This world is not easy, but this world is not what we are longing for. But understand, as Mike said, this is not just about someday off in the future. This is about finding life now, here, today. Because what Jesus does, and, and what we celebrate today is a resurrection, but what had to happen before the resurrection is he had to go through death. But because before someone can be raised to life, they have to actually die. And and death is accompanied by pain. There's no other way around it. There's no way to experience resurrection without the pain of death. But it's when we experience the pain of death that we start to wonder, we start to try to give up or give in or think it's not worth it or think think there's a better way. But the same thing that was true about the Son is true for you. The only way home is through the goodness and grace of the Father. The only way home is through the goodness and grace of the Father. And that's exactly what Jesus does as He enters into death. I believe he enters into death, giving up his godness, his ability to save himself. He enters into death so that Jesus is reliant upon the Father to raise him from the dead. That's what Scripture says over and over and over, that it was God that raised Jesus from the death. He shows this incredible act of humility, this incredible act of trust by entering into death, believing that God would raise him from the dead. And then comes the day, it comes the morning, when they walk up and they see the empty tomb, and they start to question everything that they've known. Right? Go, go to Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, The women took the spices they had prepared to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how He told you while He was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, and be raised again. Then they remembered His words. They come face to face with the resurrection. And yet they're unable to recognize it for what it is. And I wonder if their inability to see comes from the fact that they're so close to it. I wonder if their inability to see and recognize the resurrection comes from the fact that they're right there in it. Because if you were to ask any one of them at the very beginning of the day, what, what would be your greatest hope? We would love to go back and do this all over again. We would love to find a way to get him out of the city. We would love if he could be raised. We would love it. But they're right there in it, and they can't see it. I think there are so many times in our life we find ourselves right there in the middle of the mess, and we want so badly to be free from it, to be healed of it. But we're right in the middle of it, and we can't recognize it for what it is. We can't see that resurrection is happening in the midst of the pain. We, we think that faith is about giving us an easier life, but faith is about making you stronger. Stronger. Because we all have those bad days. We all have those days that we wake up that's like a bad dream that we wish we could do all over again. Because if we could just go back and they could be here, or if we could go back and we could fix the marriage, if we could go back and parent them differently, if we could go back and not have spent the money, if we could go back and and save that friendship, if we could go back and do it all over again, we would do anything to be able to do it, but here's the thing, you can't. You can't. You can't go back and change the past. The only thing you can do, the only way to find home, to to fulfill that deep sense of longing, is to keep moving forward, trusting in Jesus. The only way is to keep going forward, with the hope and the prayer that He is strong enough to save. See, because if the tomb is empty, if the tomb is empty, it means death does not get the final word. If the tomb is empty, if that is true, it changes everything. It means that the death was not the end. It means divorce doesn't get the final word. It means the broken marriage isn't the end. It means the job loss or the friend loss or the relationship loss is not the end. It means the son or the daughter who's wandered far from home can still come home and be welcomed as a child of God. It means there is still hope. If the tomb is empty, death does not get the final word. Because at the core, the gospel is not just about bad people being made good again. At its core, the the gospel is about dead people being raised to life. Father, we thank you so much for this time today. And Father, our hope and prayer is that we would see resurrection happening all around us. But Father, so many times it's easier to see at a distance than it is when we're up close. So many times it's easier to see when it's happening in someone else's life than ours. It's easier to see when we're on the other side of it looking back and seeing how the death and the pain that we went through brought new life. See, Father, we believe the beauty of Jesus is that, yes, He trusted You going into death, trusting that You would raise Him to life. And, Father, may that be our prayer today as well. Whether someone has given their life to You or not, may today we walk away trusting You, have the strength and the power to save us, that you have the power to lift us up out of the grave, to lift us out of the pit, and to set us on solid ground. May we trust you today, Father, with our life. May we find ourselves at home with the Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If we could help you in any way this morning, we would love to be able to do that. Our shepherds, their spouses are going to be at the back of the auditorium we could pray with you, um, do anything to help you in your faith journey. If you've never given your life to Christ, been baptized, what a great day to do that. Whatever we can do, you can go to there while we stand and sing.